Welcome to Series 3 of the Bowen Buzz Podcast. My name's Chris Reed, and here we get to talk the buzz on all things Bowen therapy from interesting practitioners, trainers, and we also get to hear from experts sharing their secrets to assist Bowen therapists grow in their businesses and grow in their lives. Welcome to episode 34 of the Bowen Buzz. Today, uh, we've got a special guest, Richmond Heath. Richmond is from Victoria here in Australia. And I was having a chat with Richmond a little while ago about uh, another subject. And and I just realised that I have been wanting to talk to Richmond for quite some time and and delve into what he's got inside his head about, specifically around TRE, which we'll talk a bit more about. But Richmond is also a physiotherapist and a trained Bowen therapist and certainly a um, TRE instructor and supervisor. Uh, welcome, Rich- Richmond. Thanks very much for having me, Chris. It's great to be um, back in the Bowen community. Yeah, it's great to have you on board. And because one of the things I really want to talk about today was how how all this knits together uh, and how you work that within your practice, perhaps. And and there, I'm sure there'll be a lot of therapists out there that may have heard of TRE in the past, but a bit like myself, not really understanding specifically really what it is and how it can help people. So um, so let's let's dive into that a little bit further. But just mm. first of all, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Like when did you, when did you first? Uh, did you train as a physiotherapist straight out of school? What was your path? Yeah, so look, I, I, I did do physio a bit of a, uh, a long-winded path to get there pretty much straight out after uni. And um, I kind of enjoyed physio, but I also found I, I wasn't really so interested in all the science of the mechanics and all the different stuff about it. I had a baseline level of interest in the human body. Um, so I did physio and then I did a bit of work, but then I, I did a whole lot of range of weird and wonderful things. I travelled overseas for many years um, I worked in suicide prevention for a number of years. I also um, went and did an Aboriginal studies course for two years, kind of more or less part full-time, but sort of part-time course. Um, worked at a place called the Linga Longa Aboriginal Philosophy Farm for a couple of years, so I had a different immersion. And then, um, really, I mean, one of the big things for me, Chris, was when I got to about 30 or so, my life was grinding down to a halt. My body was breaking down. My, um, you know, had chronic pain, shoulders, ankles, Achilles. I couldn't run. I couldn't do all the sport that I used to do to keep myself happy. Um, and so I was up working in New South Wales at the, the Lingalonga Aboriginal Philosophy Farm where my partner had had some Bowen from a guy just down from Port Macquarie. I can't remember who it was. But anyway, she sent me along. She said, just go down there, check this out. Don't overthink it. You know, I hadn't done physio for a while. Um, I hadn't been in that sort of therapeutic space. And I had, you know, like all of us already know that story, had the most amazing experience. The guy sort of, you know, laid me down, did the first two moves, and then he walked out the door and it felt like the bed got tipped onto a 90-degree angle like I was going to slide off the bed. I was actually holding onto the sheets. And I'm lying there thinking, oh, you know, my little physio brain's going, oh, why would he tip the bed? He must tip the bed so that it puts more blood flow, you know, just that sort of thing. (laughs) You know, then I had the big debate. Do I open my eyes? Do I not? No, my wife said just to trust it. So eventually, I, after about 10 or 15 minutes, I opened my eyes. He came back in and it's like, how are you going? I said, oh, yeah, no. And of course, I opened my eyes and my body was flat. And I was like, okay, this is extraordinary. Um, after it settled down, he did the next two moves and it felt like half of my body, my right-hand side of my body felt like it was as big as the room and the left side was the size of a walnut, like I was, you know, in half. So... The reason I like to share this though was I always say to people that when I started doing Bowen, it was the first time or experiencing Bowen 
it was the first time that I sort of had this sense of, hang on, it's not up to my intellectual knowledge to know everything about the body and fix it. Because up until then, as a physio, I'm trained, I need to know, I need to assess, I need to change, make the changes. And so it was this sense of going, oh, you know, I'd always say it's like control, alt, delete on the computer. You, you guys already all know this. But for me, there's a sense of going, I don't have to understand it. I don't have to make it happen. And it was a, a real watershed moment for me in my life. And it was kind of different from everything that I've been taught in my Western medical world. And so there was always this sense that, oh, as you all know, the body was, the body was making its own changes. And then my introduction to, I like to talk about spontaneous involuntary movement was I did a 10 day Vipassana meditation course. So a silent meditation course where all you do is you continually scan through your body and feel your sensations. Now I've done a few and on the third one, as I was meditating and my mind calmed down and I was just observing, my body started to rock forwards. Like it just started to lean forwards and I had this sense of, hang on, I'm not doing that. And I let it keep going and I felt like I was going to fall over and then my body sort of jolted and then it slowly started to lean me back as I was sitting there. And I thought, this is weird. I'm not doing this. And then it got to so far back, I thought I was going to fall over and it jolted forwards anyway. So the whole point of it was just observing. I'm going, this is happening. I'm just going to let this happen. You weren't supposed to move when you're in the meditation. Like, you know, that's what happens. People start to shake and tremor. And what do we do? We all sit still. You do yoga, your body starts to shake, you sit still. You do Pilates, it starts to shake. We think it's a sign of anxiety and stress and weakness and lack of muscle control. So I snuck back into the hall late at night so I wouldn't be offensive to anyone. And as I meditated on my arm, Chris, it started to move on its own and it was twisting into these extraordinary patterns. And then when I let myself notice both arms at the same time they both started moving like they were like spiraling movements and my little physio brain is trying to make sense of it i'm going oh this is a pnf neuromuscular pattern and but what it would do is my body would stretch as far as it would go in one direction i'd get this amazingly blissful stretch and then it would get to its maximum point and then it would start twisting the other way and in the space of a couple of days, I went from not being able to lift my arms above my shoulders because I had chronic shoulder pain. Um, this is pre-Bowen days. But over a couple of days, by just allowing this, my body to move like this, my body got to the point where it put me at one point into a handstand with my feet against the wall. And then I could press my body weight up and down with one hand. Like it just, everything I'd been taught about strength training and it just went out the window. And so that was my introduction, but I didn't have any kind of framework or understanding. And it was a pretty wild and woolly time as well, because I was in a pretty altered state. And it wasn't until met about 10 years later, a friend gave me a, a DVD, which was a TRE DVD. And he said, check this out. It's really cool. Really amazing. So I, I put the video on. I did a few simple little exercises and up lying on my floor with like in a crook lying position with my knees up. And I had this tiny little vibration in my inner thigh, like just, just a tiny little buzz, nothing, nothing extraordinary. I didn't think much of it. And then I went to bed. And when I woke up the next morning, I, I literally just woke up with a different body for years. I'd had, when I'd sit down in the morning, my heels would be off the ground just with my chronic calf tension pain. And I woke up the next morning. I remember sitting on the toilet and just thinking, holy shit, what has happened? It felt like my heels were through the floor. They felt like they were a foot below the floor and I'd slept like I hadn't slept in 40 years. And now 
again, as, as Bowen practitioners and the Bowen community, we all know this response where, you know, often you have your first Bowen and it's like, my Godfather, when my stress levels fall away, look the hell what's going on. Mm. And so I kind of had that experience and it was just extraordinary. And from there, that was about 12 years ago. I just happened to be finishing up teaching my Pilates at a physio clinic. I'd had enough of that. And so I brought the founder of TRE, David Verselli, out to Australia. Um, and I just happened to be in the position to then start the training. So right, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just pull you up there a little bit. Yeah, I'm right. really intrigued just to, just to go back a little bit. Cause I'm listening. Yeah. And as I was listening to you, for you to tell the story about when you're in this gym or in this hall late at night on your mm-hmm. own. It's, I'm, I'm imagining you're doing exactly what you were saying you were doing with the with the arms and, and and that sort of thing, and it's interesting that it sounds like it was almost like unconscious movements that you were doing. Now, obviously, you have to, from a purely physiological point of view, you've got to create movement. We create movement through contraction of muscle and and that sort of thing and and change. But it sounds like it was almost like a, a total involuntary movement. Is that what it felt like to you? It was almost like I'll just let my body do whatever it wants to do. Correct. Is that sort of how, that's how I sort of imagine what you were saying, which is really interesting. The fact that you sort of then, you know, you said my body put me into a handstand up against a wall or in a headstand up yeah. against a wall. So yeah. you felt almost like compelled that you could do that. So is that sort of how that sort of, that it was yeah. almost, once again, it was almost involuntary? Absolutely. It was 100% involuntary. The only voluntary part of it was that I was consciously allowing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is where I see that this is the links, you know, when you're on the Bowen table and someone flicks a whatever we do, then whatever happens after that's got nothing to do with my conscious mind. And sometimes we'll see, you know, we'll see the body start to shake or the muscles will twitch or the breath deepens. So that's all happening. And this is one of the things I love about Bowen is because the body has its own innate impulse to try to organize itself to its most efficient, balanced, relaxed, you know. Can we, can, can the, can we as the, or can the, say, the, the client, if you like, yep. or the person, can they stop that though? Can, can you say, yep. no, I'm not going to allow that to happen? Is that part of that? So that the people who perhaps do allow that unconscious movement yep. perhaps or that or or recognize that unconscious feeling mm-hmm. are they more likely like well are they more likely to get a, res- a better response i suppose is part of the question mm. if you like but also then some people aren't going to want to do that aren't they they're not it's almost like even when you talk about psychotherapy some people aren't going to allow themselves to cross that bridge do you know what i mean yeah, that, that's right. And for most of us, like, again, so when you're lying on the Bowen table, you just let your body do whatever it wants to do. And with TRE, and TRE is just a, a modern way of working with this phenomenon because there are many cultures all around the world that have deliberately used this spontaneous movement response. And so all we're doing is we're deliberately invoking spontaneous movements both in the neuromuscular system, so your body may be moving itself through space, but it's also in your autonomic nervous system for want of a better word. And in our culture, the most in the Western culture, the most frequent times we've experienced this and we all have is when our body shakes and tremors, when we're scared, nervous, or anxious. But in our Western medical model, we've just overlooked that. We've only studied pathology. So as soon as your body starts to shake, we say, oh, it's a sign that I'm scared. It's part of anxiety. But it's got nothing to do with the anxiety response or the fight and flight response. Not helping that. It's got nothing to do with the immobility response. So that freezing, that containing. 
it's actually the recovery response. So yes, I have had a bit of anxiety because I'm public speaking, but the shaking is not a part of being scared. It's the solution our bodies innately have to down-regulate the nervous system, relax that muscular tension, you know, relax the breath, dump the adrenaline. So this for me is the link between what I do, you know, full-time in my work with TRE and with Bowen is that in a way we're both trying to find ways to stimulate the body's own innate capacity to rebalance itself. And so with tremoring, because it's been stigmatized as a symptom of PTSD or panic attacks, people think I'm having a panic attack because I'm shaking. I'm going, no, 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 you're having a panic discharge. When we uncouple the cultural and individual and medical fear of spontaneous movement and supposedly being out of control, then it becomes very easy just to allow your body to make those responses. And in a way, Chris, it's like when we cry, you know, we can stop ourselves crying or we can actually let our body cry, which is the way the diaphragm tremors, the way our near the face creates movement to release that emotional expression. So when people learn how to, you know, we would sort of say invoke tremors, all we're really doing is learning how to relax enough and let your muscles do what they want to do to rebalance. Um, and of course, at first it seems all a bit weird, but very quickly you get very comfortable with it. You get very used to it and you find that it's incredibly pleasurable. Right. Um, and, we, and, and is there some cultural blocks as well? So in the Western world, are we, are we less likely to, and I suppose I'm wondering if there's even some gender blocks as well. Are we, you know, like, like they say, real men don't cry, if you like. Um, are, are we uh, in the Western world perhaps, and, uh, uh, and as I said, with genders, is there some, do, do you notice differences in that as well? Yeah, absolutely. It is very much, um, you know, culturally biased. So, for example, the Kalahari Bushmen, if you've ever seen the film The Gods Must Be Crazy, part of their key cultural identity is they call themselves the keepers of the sheikh. So they deliberately use this for their cultural health, well-being and spirituality. So for them, when your body's starting to shake, they're going, oh, the spirit's moving you, this is wonderful. In our Western culture, we're just automatically trained to shut it down. So there's a cultural overlay and certainly there is tends to be a, a bit of a, um, a bit of a bias in the genders where women are expected to be a bit more emotional. They're meant to be a bit more free in their body. I mean, even if we look at sexuality, the female orgasm, we're kind of training to have convulsive movements. Men tend to be very, you know, narrow and more rigid. And our culture trains us to harden up literally. And as with Bowen and as with TRE, this is just a process of the body being given time and space to unwind itself and soften down. So there's nothing wrong with being able to get tight and hard and solid and brace for impact or ignore our emotions in order to then deal with the stressor or fight the bushfire and put ourselves aside. But in our Western culture, and especially with males, we have lost the capacity to downregulate. And so in a way, TRE, even though we talk about tremors and shaking, all we're really doing is reinstating and allowing our body's innate capacity to relax and rebalance ourselves so we have the full spectrum available. Um, you know, nobody is consciously trying to create tension. No one is creating, you know, tension in the stomach for irritable bowel or their neck getting tight so they're getting, you know, shoulder pain and all sorts of stuff. And so part of the magic of this Terry process is when we teach people how to invoke it or connect with this movement, then they have access to go into that that space on their own whenever and wherever they want 
and it's just reinstating this this capacity to relax and rebalance. So it's a it's a wonderful wonderful thing in terms of recovering stress stress and trauma. But there is one other aspect to it, and that's where TRE originally stood for trauma release exercises, or we often talk about tension release exercises. But there's another time, Chris, when every single person who's listening to this podcast has had this experience of spontaneous involuntary movement. They just weren't aware of it. And the reason that is, is because it happened for nine months in utero. And most people don't realize, and because until we've had, you know, uh, ultrasounds and functional MRIs, from very, very young age in utero, the body spontaneously moves, it shakes, it twitches and it tremors. And the peripheral parts of the body, literal, the muscle tissue itself, generates a twitch and a tremor in utero that's got nothing to do with the central nervous system. So it's not being created by the brain. It's not being created by the, you know, the, the, the central nervous system. What it actually does is as it shakes and tremors, it helps the central nervous system grow and find where it is. So it's actually the way we become embodied. And then once that connection between the periphery and the muscle tissue and the central nervous system is made, the spontaneous movements continue in utero and it helps our nervous system and our muscular system integrate and actually get a sense of creating our body schema and our sense of who and where we are. So that, that brain map that, that we... That, that body, absolutely, that body map. And so another thing that I think is so wonderful for TRN, it's so relevant to Bowen therapists, is it provides us with a trauma-informed model, which is not really about the trauma, but it's about the way our body and our mind, for want of a better word, disconnect and separate, or we, we get numb and disconnected from parts of our body, which is a trauma response, a healthy response. But when our body doesn't resolve that, we end up with either chronic tension where there's areas of the body that's frozen and containing and hasn't let go, or we get areas of the body that are undercharged and floppy and, you know, core muscles that aren't active because they've actually gone into a flop or a fold kind of trauma response. So one of the great things about Terry is it gives us a understanding of the way the nervous system functions, how it functions in relation to stress and trauma but also that this shaking process is not just about releasing the past. It's also about our body reorganizing itself to get more efficient movement patterns for us to become more embodied, more connected to ourselves in the same way that it did in utero. So it's also about growing into the future. And um, what that tends to mean is it's not, again, just about our physical being, but there's a sense of it connecting us to our, our mind or our soul or our spirit, for want of a better word, as we get more embodied and more connected, we naturally become you know, happier, healthier people, but we often then get more connected to our power and our passion and our purpose in the world and start to, you know, really start to blossom and bloom. And again, this is where is a self-care technique where you can lie in bed or lie on the floor and you just go into this process so you've got it forever. And for me, I see, you know, the bone is very similar because we're invoking this same innate organic wisdom in the body. It's just that that's in a more therapeutic um, context. And then also because the therapist with their skills can work on particular parts of the body to help, help the body free up in a way that it might not do otherwise on its own. Yeah, so that, that's what I was, I was just thinking as you were talking there. Is that so that where you see the connection between Bowen and the way it actually we feel that it works or the way we're coming to believe how it works with that bringing the 
almost like like you say connecting that physical self with the with the um, with the mind or with the with the well say with the brain if you like from a neuro, a neuro point of view but even with that mind that deeper self um, mm-hmm. we have people come in who uh, who, who then had that realization perhaps don't realize that's exactly what's going on do you know and they sort of had that 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 works so they come back and say I don't know how this works I don't know how what you did created this resolution or this feeling or you know I had a woman come in a couple of weeks ago she said I feel like I've been drinking a glass of wine every day I don't drink you know she yeah. said I just feel it's it's amazing you know so yeah. so once again so that and I think there's going to be a lot of bone therapists out there going oh, oh okay so I can yeah. I can hear and it's almost like an explanation perhaps of how what I do creates these changes within people even though they're not ne- we're not necessarily saying now this is what's going to happen here all we basically say is we're going to do some some moves in specific points yep. and let your body process that for a period of time before we come back and do the next bit. Yep. So, is that, this, so what you're talking about is this beginning of this process. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, you know, one, one thing that comes to mind, for example, is in the physio world where they use dry needling. And for that to be effective, they're looking for a twitch response. So what you're doing is you're kind of putting a stimulus into the muscle belly and then the muscle belly, you know, reacts and goes bang. And it's the twitching that's part of the, it goes further into the contraction to then come back out of it. So again, with, yeah, with TRE and Bowen, the connection I see is we're just, we're invoking or connecting with and allowing the body's organic innate wisdom, whatever the hell that is. And we're never going to know. I don't care whether we call it the nervous system or you know, in 500 years, they're going to be laughing at us talking about a nervous system. They'll go, and in 5,000 years, they'll be going, what, what were you talking about energetic fields? Like, who knows what it's going to be? And yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. it doesn't matter. We just know because we can observe the effects, whether you're doing bone or Terry, you can go, wow, this person's more relaxed. They're more balanced. They're more um, connected to themselves. And what I love is in what you're saying there is it's not just about going, oh, I let go a little bit of tension. But it's what does that mean is because... If something doesn't move in the body, of course, we don't notice it. We become less embodied. If, I've, if I tie my arm behind my back for the next six months, the part of my brain that's aware of my arm, it's going to go offline. And so apart from going, yeah, we've got all this chronic tension, we've all got tension we're not even aware of. It's not creating us pain. We're not even getting bone yet because we don't even know that that part of our body's tight. And so as the body starts to remove it, it actually starts to bring it back to life and we become more, you know, I use the term, we drop into our body more. We become more embodied. We become more connected. And another great analogy is um, another common way that the shaking and tremoring shows up is when animals come out of hibernation. So they go through, you know, mammals will go through a process where they've gone into this deep survival shutdown response. Their respiratory system shuts down there you know, all their breathing, their heart rate, everything's circulation. And then the first thing that happens is, the, you know, their, their organism starts to have rapid breathing. And then it goes into a period of shivering and shaking, nothing to do with changing its temperature initially. It's literally the body starting to come back to life. So there's this whole element around this spontaneous movement process where it's not just about releasing and relaxing and letting go of the past, but it's about connecting or reconnecting our mind and our body, which is the split that happens in trauma and stress. 
And that can happen on a global level in trauma where we go into a full freeze response where we become unconscious. But what really drives me, Chris, is it happens when you have this model of the, the way the nervous system responds from being calm, relaxed, it's in fight or flight, so it's getting activated or it goes into immobility. We can look at individual muscles the same way. So one of the, one of the fundamental sort of experiences for me is after a couple of months of doing TRE, I was talking to someone at a workshop one day and I just noticed I felt tense, just felt a bit nervous. I, didn't, I took a breath and I thought, I'm going to consciously relax. And I did it and I literally turned around and went, holy shit, because my pelvic floor let go and it felt like it hit the ground. Now, up until that time, I'd been teaching Pilates full-time for five years. So I'd done a million pelvic floor connections. I thought I was, like, you know, contractions. I thought I was connected to my pelvic floor. But in that moment, I realised that I'd been walking around for 35, 38 years with my bum squeezed on and I had no idea. Because in trauma, the whole point of that disconnection is so that we don't have to be consciously experiencing stuff that's overwhelming. Now, this is where I see the real magic. When our body disconnects like that, that is not a conscious process. We don't choose it. We don't choose to disconnect. The body makes that decision for us and effectively withdraws from our conscious mind. And so wouldn't it make sense then that if that's all done subconsciously, that when we try to embody or reconnect, we can still do our conscious movement and try to consciously connect. But ultimately, it's the body which says, okay, welcome home and lets us come back in. And as it starts to come back to life and moves, then we sort of go, Oh, wow, I can feel my, I can feel my um, pelvic floor again. Whereas the body's got that organic wisdom. that's kind of in a way saying, Richmond, you're not, you're not ready to feel your pelvic floor again, because the reason it was disconnected is because you were so scared that you couldn't cope. So for all those years, my body's organic wisdom is what's really leading me. And that's a fundamental shift. The same thing with Bowen is we can put science on it and we can do it. But at the end of the day, it's the body that's leading the process. And that's where the wisdom, it's going to be infinitely more wise than any of us can ever study. And again, that's why I love this combination. It's why I love Bowen so much as a therapeutic approach and why I love TRE as more of a self-care um, you know, empowerment. And of course, they fit beautifully together and again, I keep saying it's not about just releasing tension. It's about getting people more connected to themselves. So they go, gee, this is who I am. This is how I am when I'm feeling safe and grounded. And this is how I express. Now, that could be I'm a better dad. It could be, oh, my God, I'm you know, growing my business. It could be when I meet my client on the table, I'm more grounded in my own body. And I'm able to, my nervous system is having a different impact on the people that we're working with. So, um. It, oh, no, I'm, getting a bit, I'm getting a bit lost, but it's just it's, it is, it's really it is so, so wide ranging too. And, I, and I'm thinking if I sort of come back to something I saw on one of the um, support um, networks that, that on Facebook today, a girl was saying, "I've got a client who's got a whole lot of sacroiliac pain. I can't seem to get it to release. I don't know what else can I do to let this go." So if we want to bring it back into almost like a pure physical, the person presenting with a physical pain or a physical problem. How does, you know, if we work even from a, a bone therapy framework or even, you know, with a, a TRE framework, is that, how do you sort of talk about that from a, from a physical, almost like a physiological sort of a, a situation yep. where someone comes in, I've got some pain here, I feel this is where it is. Now the therapist is saying, I can't, 
I can't seem to help them. I can't seem to release it. It's almost them saying, you know, what do I need to do? What other procedures do I need to do with this? Yep. So there's a, is that, mm. do, you, do you want to talk a bit about that type of sort of scenario? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that comes to mind there is um, I did a, a muscle balance course about 30 years ago in London with a woman whose name was Ruth someone or other, can't remember. And she made this beautiful statement about when we look at the body and muscle balances, she said, the victims make the most noise, the perpetrators are usually silent, which basically means by the time someone says I've got sacroiliac joint pain, it's probably not going to be the, the original cause. And I didn't ever meet Tom Bowen, but in my imagination, his great skill was you could come in with sacroiliac joint pain, but he would just go and flick what I would think at the centre of the spider web. So you just do, there it is there. Regardless, you know, I'm going, oh, there's pain. I've got to treat the pain. I've got to do the sacroiliac. I'm going to do next week. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that because I'm coming at that intellectual level. And so I think for me, that's his real magic was his capacity to, however he did it, and I'm sure he had consciously directed processes, like I can read the eyes and the face and all that. But I think a large part of it was just was deeply empathic and able to sense where's the centre of this person's body's problem. And so by unwinding the depth of that tension, bracing, holding trauma sort of pattern, everything else starts to unravel. And I think a lot of us, me included, we're kind of coming at it from that sense of I've just got to intellectually work out, right, sacroiliac joint if I do this. And we're trying to think it out rather than really sensing the body and following the body. Now, in TRE, what I would say is, and this has been a big learning for me, is we're going, right, the body's doing the best it can at the moment with what it's got. And when I come in and say, I've got this sacroiliac joint pain, my ego or my conscious mind is saying, I need to get rid of that because that's going to be better. Rather than saying, okay, I'm having this experience. And so with TRE, the way I would approach it these days, I say, yeah, sure, I want to help you get rid of your sacroiliac joint pain. However... Let's lie down. Let's let your body start to move and let's see what your body actually wants to let go of. So I say, you know, where your body moves, what moves, how it moves, when it moves and why it moves, it's got nothing to do with me. It's up to the physiology of the body. And so part of the real paradigm shift is learning to trust the body. Instead of going, oh, my sacroiliac joint's broken because my body's breaking down and it's shit and I've got to fix it and what do I need to do? We go, oh, wow. Am I okay? Yeah, I'm okay. What actually needs to move? So we're wanting to surrender a little bit more to allow the body to lead the process. And I think that's what happens with all great bone therapists. You know, you can come in and say, oh, yeah, I've got a sore knee. And they go, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep you, uh, you know, do, I don't know, do a little neck move or do your TMJ. It doesn't, because that's really what the body's, you know, what the, where the center of the holding is. So it is a bit of a paradigm shift because a lot of us, it changes our relationship with the body because a lot of us have been brought up in a culture where it's up to my ego to that's where I, I am my thoughts. I'm an ego. You know, this is what I want. My body's my vehicle to get there. And what I find what's really magical about the tremoring is people start to change that relationship. And it's almost a sense of, Oh, hang on. I'm resting in this body. My body's got all this wisdom rather than it's my servant. We come into relationships. So if someone comes in, I'd be, I'm more interested in how they are experiencing their sacroiliac joint pain and what effect that's having on them and letting them get calm and relaxing. And, you know, organically, once people are more relaxed, they feel more safe. Those things are going to start to unwind over time. But I've very much learnt that my body is not wrong, that my body knows what it's doing. And that's probably the most fundamental shift. I, I talk about having 
a couple of great liberations through TRE. And one of the first ones was going, yeah, my body knows what it's doing. I don't like it. I don't like that it hurts, but it knows what it's doing. And the more space I give it to unwind in its own time, the better I go. And so this is where a real piece of the magic puzzle in TRE and, and lots of other spontaneous movement practices. It's not just TRE is the only one. This is just a Western scientific way of working with it is that it has an impact on how we then mature physiologically and also in our psyche or our ego or our maturity. And that's, you know, and that's something that then is led by the body. So we start to change how we relate to the body. It's not something that I need to fix. It's not something I need to drive. Um, and that's just something that I find is quite extraordinary. So we start to move beyond a, a youthful ego. Um, I'm struggling to find the words here, but I know that in my own life, this is the greatest gift that this process has, has given me is my physiology is maturing. And as my physiology matures and as I come out of all those habitual trauma patterns, I'm becoming more mature in my mind or my ego or my, or my psyche. And so then, of course, everything's starting to change. I'm becoming a softer person. I'm becoming more compassionate. I'm becoming less egotistical. I'm becoming more in more relationship, um, you know, basically like becoming healthier and happier and a bit more healed. And it's my body is organically leading that process. And so what it then means is if I do hit some hurdles, instead of going, oh, this is wrong and bad, I should have more money or I should have this or I should have that, with the trauma-informed model of going, right, my body is showing me this pattern is still here. How did I get through it last time? Well, I didn't have to consciously make my body work. I didn't have to consciously drive my life. I just had to keep surrendering and just go along for the ride. And that I'm finding that's just not just in my physical body, that's in my life. And that's my real passion about it is people. It's almost like learning to surrender, trust, trust your body first. And if your body's moving, let it move. Trust your life. You know, all those things that come to us because for most of us, our ego is always going to choose pleasure over pain. And the, one of the limitations of that is often if we want to heal, we need to allow the body to recreate sometimes those old traumas, those old wounds. So if someone comes into us with a tight neck on the left-hand side because of a whiplash injury, we, in my training as a physio, it's like problems with tight muscle. We've got to get rid of the tight muscle and try and make it calm. In my experience, when I allow the body, what often happens is the reason the muscle's tight is because the muscle wants to go further into the contraction and take us right back to that crazily almost broke my neck position of the car accident and then come out with the shaking and tremoring or the softening or the relaxing. So then it's integrated, which means the body's let go of the memory. And, you know, now when I recall the car accident, my body's not responding as if it's still happening. And so in our normal egotistical life, we're always going to choose what makes us feel better. But when we actually get into a place of safety and comfort and we learn this through surrendering to the movements of the body, instead of going, I only want it to move that way so it stretches, we get that sense of, hang on, one side of my body's stretching while the other part is contracting. Which one's better? Mm. Oh, there's this balance and both of them need to be happening. And as we learn to embody that, then we naturally start to return to the pulsation in our life, like the light and dark of the day and the sleep. Instead of going, I just want everything to be sunny and a big in-breath in my whole life and everything's happy, we learn how to go into the excitement and then the deep surrender. 
you know, we learn how to go into great joy and love and how to fully embody grief so that it doesn't constrict us and we lose our pulsation. And as we do that, it connects us to our humanity and literally brings us back to life in our bodies as fully alive, sensing humans who are going to experience grief, trauma, shock, terror, stress, all of those things. But it's not that which affects us. It's our inability to just allow ourselves to let that move us. This, um, there's going to be a lot of bone therapists out there recently who are just nodding and smiling because it, it's just, you know, the, the whole thing, we, when, when you go to day one of your first module, um, your instructor is going to say, you know, okay, how does bone work? And, and, and basically the first thing they're going to say is that it, we're giving the body a stimulus and allowing it to process that stimulus and then this esoteric statement of the, so that the body can heal itself. Now, a lot of people go, oh, that's a bit woo-woo, you know what I mean? But, yeah. but, but really, exactly what you're saying is exactly that, that we're, we're giving the body, it's almost like allowing it to have the space to, to heal itself. Yeah. And, and as you said before, people that do bone for a long time finish up doing less on their clients yeah. and allowing these, and it's almost like whether you believe in your treatment a bit more perhaps as you go or the more experience you have you, you see this sort of thing so it's allowing that to to occur and i think it's really interesting some of the the recent um studies i've been doing and the recent uh, some podcasts we listened to and that about talking about fellows like the fellow called you'd know Lorimer mosley from um a physiotherapist and and, and pain expert and brain like neuro neurophysio if you like and researcher from adelaide yeah. just talking about the way that they can this this brain map the way that the body sees itself and how the body and the dramatic stuff that that can occur in the way that you know they, they had um, say talk about chronic regional pain syndrome and how one arm is really badly affected and terrible pain and, and it's cold and and you know it has pain now when you take that arm that is an experiment take that arm and put it yep. across the other side of the body the the sore arm warmed up. Mm-hmm. And the, the well arm got cold and painful because yeah. it's almost like the body said, well, when that space, when that limb's in that space, it's, it's painful. And yep. you go, hang on, it doesn't make any sense. There's, there's nothing wrong with my good one, but it's sore over there. Yeah. So it's really weird how the, you know, how, how the body can, and, you know, the, when they start talking about phantom limb pain and, and, yep. and, 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 and feelings in phantom limbs that actually just don't exist, but in the brain, in the body, they still exist. And, and therefore, you know, you can, they can have sensations and feelings and pain in something that's actually not there. Yeah. So that's the type of, you know, I was sort of see as so if we go back to that point you were talking about, about bringing the body and having it connect with itself more internally. Yes. And then the, um, so can I say, can I ask with um, your, so not everybody's going to be able to perhaps get along and do a, a certification in, um, yeah. TRE, yep. but certainly some of them may uh, may be more interested in having a look at it. We'll have a quick a chat about the certification courses and the, some of the training that you do. But how does um, and you and the other thing I want to talk to you about was also you talk you call yourself and you've used the term a couple of ta- times trauma informed and you 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 uh, I think describe yourself as a trauma informed therapist. So I'd also like to touch on that and what what does that mean and can we as bone therapists become more trauma informed and does that then lead us down this path a little bit of about you know, understanding perhaps or being able to work with our bone in more of this um allowing our clients to connect in the way you're talking about yeah look it's it's a great question and for me i think there's a couple of different uh 
context for what what is trauma informed and what isn't. Um, in our culture, when when people talk about oh, I'm a trauma informed therapist, what it generally means in a way is we understand the process where people who have had a trauma in their background can be easily triggered, um, and therefore that we want to create safe, comfortable, welcoming places where they're not being triggered or reactivated, whether that's consciously or unconsciously by what we're doing. So that's kind of one, one context. Where I think it's more valuable is that what we're really looking at is we're looking at human organisms or people and their behaviour from the model of a trauma-informed model of the nervous system. Um, and if you're uh, someone out there and you've never heard of the polyvagal theory, then that's the key place to start developed by Stephen Porges. Um, and the reason why it's so useful is it, it doesn't say we have a parasympathetic and a sympathetic nervous system and it's either, you know, we're racing or we're calming down, but our nervous system as mammals and then humans has evolved three separate branches. And to keep it really simple, think about this vagal nerve, the biggest nerve, you know, in our biggest parasympathetic nerve in the body is up in the brain, it's divided into two separate pathways. So it's got two ways it can kind of activate. And the old way is the immobility response, which shuts us down and immobilizes us. And the new way is the ventral vagal. That's a, a newer pathway in mammals and humans, which keeps us truly calm. Now, when we understand our nervous system in these three different states, it's so valuable because we can have, we're truly gut calm and relaxed. We're either then we're immobilized or fight or flight or we're immobilized. Now, when we're immobilized, we can look calm and relaxed, but internally our physiology is generating a slowing down or a shutting or a containing state. And this is probably why this is so relevant is when we, in theory, we call what we call the polyvagal curve. So Stephen Porges's research has shown that, you know, if you're sitting here, we're sitting here and we're calm and then, someone comes through the door wearing a mask or something or a saber-toothed tiger comes towards us. Our body tries to deal with that threat in the most, the youngest, most evolutionary advanced way, which is to engage, social engagement. I stay calm. I communicate calmness. Can we become friends? I use a calm so we're not escalating. Then it goes up. If that doesn't work, it goes up into the flight or flight, or flight response. So it mobilizes mass you know build the charge move the body create action if that doesn't overcome it then it goes into the immobility shape state where it starts to shut down now in that third state or the immobility internally our nervous system it's like the engine is still running at massive capacity but our parasympathetic system has come on and it's like the, the emergency handbrake so i can look calm but internally my system is is an extremely highly agitated internal state and this is basically the physiology of depression physiology of chronic fatigue it's the physiology of unresolved trauma but of course in that state we're designed not to be aware of it now western science is great at studying pathology and in the trauma world people are really including the body because until 10 or 15 years ago it was only about psychology we even still we, we have mental health we don't go out to physiological things so we've studied the body and people are understanding these body-based responses to triggers and to, to life. But people haven't yet studied how does the body come out of those trauma responses? When we look at trauma from the state of movement, which is ultimately what it's primarily about, is about creating movement first and foremost. Well, if a trauma or a shock state is about decreasing movement, it makes sense that 
to restore health, we need to restore movement. And that's what the spontaneous involuntary movements are doing, whether it's shaking or tremoring. And so for me, when I talk about that trauma-informed model, I mean, that's starting to give us an idea of looking at what's happening in the behaviour of the person, in the experience of the person, is 95% in my, in my experience is a bubbling up of their, what's happening in, for want of a better word, their autonomic nervous system. Now, it's much more than that, but it's a nice, easy model. So it helps give us a framework of understanding that our body is habitually responding to every sensation, everything that's coming into us in the moment, and it's activating survival responses and trauma responses that have kept us safe in the past. So, you know, when we think about anxiety, we go, I've got anxiety. It's like a, a, a noun or something we carry, but you go, hang on. If I'm feeling anxious, my body right now is activating a flight response. When I'm angry, my body is right now activating a fight response. When my muscles are bracing and tensing, right now my body is constantly recreating a freeze response or if they're floppy, a, a fold response. And I always like to say, Chris, you know, trauma is a verb. It's not something that happened to us. It's not the story. We don't take it inside. It's something, it's like a software pattern that our body learns, this is how I need to be to feel safe and survive. At the most basic level, I need to be tense because something happened, I tensed up, and when it doesn't let go, that's how we're going to survive. And so we carry these tension patterns around. And rather than getting too lost into the trauma and the story, again, I like to bring it back and keep it very simple and just work with the body. If you come back to the muscular system, it doesn't matter what happened, whether it was a psycho-emotional stressor, whether your mother didn't feed you when you wanted to get fed, when you were scared of an aggressive kid at school, whether someone's just passed away, your muscles have only got a couple of choices. They can either contract, they can relax, or they can hold tension. And so without wanting to get, you know, there's lots of stuff around a trauma-informed culture. It's just recognising that we as humans, our behaviour is largely driven by our underlying physiology. Mm. And that's largely driven by our history and our physiology that our body is carrying and being expressed that way. That's, that's good because it, it, we also need to be aware that if um, bone therapists need to stay within their, their, their lane as well and within their scope of practice and not get too, if they have, don't have any training around that, delve too deeply into past traumas and, and subconscious um, issues that people have had or had conscious issues they've had in the past sort of thing where perhaps there's some referral should occur there. But, but so being able to, like you say, even deal with it at, on a physical level sort of thing and allow the body then to take over and, and then to process that and to deal with that. Is that sort of what you're saying? That that's how if we – people are sort of saying, oh, okay, so how can, I work, how can I work with this within my bone practice? I suppose it might be a question that yeah. people yeah. listening to this might ask. Yep. Um, and if we if – maybe if you just have, a, have a, a, a couple of sentences around that, perhaps then, then let's talk about some of the, the training that, that you actually – that does occur mm. within Australia. Mm. Um, um, yeah, as well. Yeah. So, look, I use that exact same term in TRA I talk about all the time. Stay in your lane. Don't start trying to do stuff that you're not trained in. And so with TRE and with Bowen, we go, just keep working with the physical body. If someone's got a story and they need to talk and you need to listen to that, that's, you know, that's beautiful. Like the mind-body Bowen that I was very blessed to first learn Bowen through Anne Schubert. You know, if people are telling their story, the thing is, it's less about the story, but it's about the movement of the body. And someone can tell their story 
and they can say, yes, this happened. It was very bad. I felt extremely traumatized. It was horrendous. And they're not actually embodying their body's not actually embodying it. And then other people can be telling the story and they're crying or they're doing whatever. But as body workers, when someone's telling the story, if they're upset when they're working with me, I'll just say, are you okay? And if they're okay, I'm going, yeah, the story's interesting. But what I'm really interested in is your diaphragm is tremoring. Your diaphragm is releasing. So as bone therapists, if you've got people who are highly traumatized, we can still be working with them with their physiology. At the end of the day, that's all we're doing. We're just trying to help their body feel a bit more relaxed and a little bit more free. Now, of course, if the patterns that have been holding in that unresolved trauma, sometimes when we let go of that armory, we become more aware of why we were armored in the first place. We're like, oh my God, I never realized. I never realized that I had this massive social anxiety, which is why my bum had been squeezing on for 40 years. Now, as a young man, am I going to ch- consciously go, I want to feel all that anxiety? Of course not. Because I want to just feel good. But my body's got other, it's going, no, Richmond, you can't just keep living like that. We have to resolve this. So you're going to have to deal with it and face it. So what that means is sometimes as the body unwinds those uh, armoring patterns, it's because it's ready. It's saying it's ready and you're ready to actually start to integrate some of this. And for some of us, that means we have to consciously remember, maybe consciously feel and consciously reconnect with parts of ourselves and parts of our history that have been buried and held by the wisdom of the body because it wasn't, we weren't ready. So, you know, I say to TRE providers and I'd say the same thing for bone therapists. If you've got people who've got major mental health issues and they've got major trauma, well then of course you might need to work as part of a multi multidisciplinary team. Mm, and I might need to work as a second fiddle to the psychiatrist. And I'm just going, look, I'm just helping this person work like this, but you're managing all their mental health. So, we can still do that. But also when we just keep working with the body, and this is one thing I love about the founder of TRE, David Berselli, he keeps using the term, the organism, you know, this living protoplasmic sort of organic thing that we are and the physiology. If we just keep focusing on that and working with that, then our job as bone therapists or TRE providers, our job is just to keep helping that physical organism to find more peace, safety, freedom and flow and movement. And if we're doing that, that's going to be beneficial. And if things are coming up, then exactly as you say, I go, look, if someone says, oh, my God, I remember in this trauma and every time I remember this, I can't cope with it and that. Great. There's 100,000 million great trauma therapists and counsellors and psychotherapists out there who've got that magic. You know, they've got that magic. So it's, just, it's no different from saying... I wouldn't like a counsellor to be doing my body work if they're not trained in that area. You'd yes. say, yeah, they might hold my hand and help me calm down or brush my forehead. And, but they'd be going, no, here's some expertise, go over here. So I certainly see that for both Bowen and, and TRE, the idea of, you know, knowing, like what you say, staying in our lane, working with our skills. Now, a lot of practitioners have additional skills and if they mm-hmm. do and someone's got the psychotherapeutic approach, well, then they're going to integrate that. But if we yeah. don't... We just keep working with the physiology of the body. We're trying to help this body in front of us find a little bit more peace. And but, but we can, but even, that's right, even working within that physiological framework and the bone framework, we can bring about some great change, yeah. assist the body to bring about some fantastic change. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you mentioned David Bursell there. He's um, 
the one, the founder of TRE, and also there's some great research around this. And I'm I'm really aware that we're heading up to that magic hour here. Uh, uh, we talk about Richmond here that we, but, but I, I just wonder if you could just touch on the research around um, TRE and some of the work that's been done there, scientific yeah. research, some papers that have been done, uh, and people can certainly we'll put the links in the show notes here to the website as well, so people can go and have a look at uh, and the story. And there's a few videos on TRE they can have a bit of a look at if they're certain. I think they will be interested. Yeah, so there is some good research around this. And then in the last two minutes, I want you to tell us about some of the courses that people perhaps use it as a, a certified practitioner yeah. Um, yeah. or even just sort of uh, on themselves. Because as you said, it can be great as a self-help exercises, which is what often yeah. one of the great things about it. Yeah, that's right. That's my real passion about it, Chris, is about empowering people with this tool that they can use. They don't have to come and see me. They don't have to pay me any time. Of course, then they, they're still going to do that because they get help and benefits. So it's not about replacing the therapeutic approach, but it is about empowering people and, you know, using it in between Bowen sessions. So something that they can do themselves, it fits beautifully together. In terms of the research, look, it's in its infinite infancy and in theory is no different to Bowen where it's very hard to get a paradigm that's focused on biomechanical models to even want to investigate it because it's just too far outside the box. So there is research that's being done by the US military with TRE. There's been some work done around restless legs, lots of quality of life sort of things. So if people are looking for that research and they need that, if you go to the global TRE website, which is www.traumaprevention.com, yep. click on the research, you'll see the research that's um you'll see the research that's there. But we recently did a training with Stephen Porges. And um, and I think this is relevant in terms of a lot of us have been trained to go to the research because then we know it's true and we can trust it. And so I was asking him, said, you know, so Stephen was you know, sending a question by the, the conference we were on. And I said, you know, so what, what's the best way of measuring the effect that we're having in TRE in calming the autonomic nervous system? So I'm thinking he's going to say something like a heart rate variability. That's the best measure. And he says, you don't need to put any wires on people. You just have a look at their face. When their autonomic nervous system has calmed down, their face is softer. The eye muscles are softer. Their breathing is softer. The same stuff we see in, you know, the neuromuscular, the hamstrings are softer, whatever it is, we can see that. Um, and so one of the things I, and I really encourage and um, invite Bowen therapists is to stand in your own authority, our own authority about the, the knowledge we see. We can see the effect we have, whether we can prove it in a scientific paper or with a fancy gadget. We can see that. We can observe it. It's not just guessing. You can see the changes in the neuromuscular system in front of you. You know that, it, you know that that's happening. So while the research is beginning, the same with Bowen, it's going to take 30 years for the, for the research to catch up. I, I always liken it to saying, you know, we're on a boat sailing around the world, telling people the world's round and everyone else is still standing on the shores arguing, saying there's no evidence in our flat earth thinking for how this is working. And I spent a lot of time trying to want to prove it and to convince all those people these days. I just look, I say, get in the boat, give it a go. Like my wife said to me, give it a go, see what happens. And we can talk about how it works and that while we're sailing around the earth. And, you know, even if we have a scientific understanding for TRE or Bowen, I will still be coming back and saying, like I used to do as a little kid, oh, well, why does the autonomic nervous system calm down? Why did we're really never going to know. And that's part of the real maturity as we get to that point where we go, it's a mystery. Life's a mystery. I don't know what life is. I don't know what life force is. I don't know how we started. Just This just seems to help us feel, feel better. So I just encourage people to you know, 
because I, I, as a physio, that was the hardest thing for me was doing Bowen in a physio clinic. And it was incredibly helpful when I, I read the research about rat tissue and the rat fascia rehydrating, taking somewhere between two to 90 minutes. Now, that didn't change anything about what I was doing with Bowen. But what it meant was when people challenged me, I could say, no, 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 no. This is why I'm going to leave the room for two minutes because your fascia tissue, again, it's just a story, but we often need that story. So our ego can go, you know what? I'm just going to let go and see what happens. It's okay. It'll be all right. It's okay. And we'll just see. And rather than going, someone else has to prove it. So, um, so that's that. Now, Richmond, you've been, while, while I've been, we've been having some conversation, I've been talking, you've been looking over your shoulder and you just told me you've been searching for a book on your bookshelf, which is a great book around what, around body maps. Yeah, that's right. The one we were talking about earlier, I'm just going to bring that up. It's called the body has a mind of its own. How body maps in your brain help you do almost everything better. And it's written by Sandra Blackersley and Matthew Blackersley. All right. We might um, put, uh, we'll, put, we'll put the Amazon link in, into the show notes. So yeah, we'll, we'll put that in there. Highly recommended if that whole sense around body maps and body schema is of interest to you. I think yeah, that's, that's a really good, uh, really good resource. Because it's, it's, it's an emerging area of, of neuroscience too, isn't it? That they're, they're really starting to sort of get a bit of an, well, I think they're wondering about it and, and are in awe of some of the stuff they're coming across. I, I did actually also hear about they had these chaps uh, that, did, that had um, amputees and they got and they didn't have a, um, an arm on one side, but they they trained that arm to go into positions that an arm won't go into, as in a shoulder joint won't do. Yeah. And they did that, and then they found that the shoulder, because it could do those things, or they trained it virtually, if you like, to do those things, it couldn't do what a shoulder would normally do, because yeah, the right. brain wouldn't let it anymore. Do you know? Yeah. I mean? It's almost like so. It's not. A, it's almost like you. you, you we're physiologically bound sometimes because our brain puts the brake on and yeah. doesn't allow things to happen or, you know, so it's quite, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. So yes, I'll certainly be having a look, look at, you, at that, 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 that book. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. It's been a fantastic discussion today. I really, um, really enjoyed it. Wonderful. Wonderful. You're one of the most easiest person I've ever had to interview a rich because I ask you a question and you talk for 25 minutes. It's absolutely <laughs> Brilliant. But, uh, oh, it's terrible. I, I do talk too much. I'm talking less than I used to, I have to say, which is I'm gradually <laughs> oh, it's been fantastic. I'm, and I'm sure people yeah. are saying, oh, don't, don't end it now, just let him keep talking. But um, tell us about the courses. Yeah, look, so at the moment, um, one of the things was when COVID hit last year, I actually created a free online course for people to learn TRE. Um, and that's at trecourse.com, or you can just go through the Australian TRE website now. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but that's going to be free up until the end of March. So I kind of made it specifically to try and support people through COVID. Um, after that point, it will probably become a paid uh, a paid course with scholarships for people who are in extreme financial hardship, so they still get free access to it. So that's one way people can actually learn uh, TRE, and it's a three session course. So you get enough of the theory. And the follow-up, and it's got three guided sessions. So you understand not just about how do we get the body tremoring, but how do I integrate it? How do I make sense of it? This is for and, people to, do, to use on themselves? Yeah, for their own personal use. So if, you, if you're a Bowen person, and even if it becomes a paid course, it'll be like $150. So, you know, it's, it's pretty cheap. And it will give you an introduction to the whole trauma model and understanding, um, you know, about that. So that's one way. Then I, I do run regular courses um, for, for people actually just having this conversation. I haven't thought about it, but it would be wonderful to set up a, 
Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff on Zoom now. It would be wonderful to set up a specific TRE one-day course for Bowen um, practitioners because then we can, you know, you've got a background knowledge about everything. So, um, look, I might actually do that and set a set a time up for a month or two months or something so that um, that we can do that. So, online courses, you can also learn through, um, you know, public workshops that I tend to run around Australia at different times, a little bit less now because of COVID. Um, and then also on the TRE Australia website or anywhere people are listening around the world, in Australia, if you go to treaustralia.com, which is the Australian website that I've set up, so it's got a very particular my flavour about TRE and that sort of thing. So you can find a provider. There's probably, I don't know, 50 or something around Australia. They're not all on the website, but you can find someone where you can go and learn one-on-one. Or if you're in any other country around the world, if you go to traumaprevention.com, you'll be able to find a provider where you, so you can learn with them and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're out there, they're, they're available. You can also learn online via Zoom. It works really well because we're just guiding you how to connect with the tremor mechanism. And again, my real passion, Chris, is going, you know, in a couple of sessions, if you work with a provider or a one-day workshop, I like to give you everything you need to know to get started and be able to keep using this process for the rest of your life. And then rather than you always having to see me, when we get into that deeply embodied state, our body becomes our teacher. Our body and our life experience becomes our guide because we start to see ourselves getting more grounded, more centered. We see our triggers, you know, our activations happening. We restore our ability to unwind. And so, you know, once people get TRE and they're learning and they're using it regularly, I always say if you're not in a permanent and perpetual state of growth, you haven't really got what this process is offering you yet. You know, if you're just using it to blow off your stress and your tension and go back and live your life, then, you know, there's a lot more to it. But once you get into that flow, and it's the same with Bowen, you know, you like, you get more, but things are evolving and growing. So that's my real passion, uh, passion area about is empowering people going, this is already inside you. Every person on the planet, we, uh, we have this spontaneous movement, whether we access it through Bowen in a therapeutic sense or through TRE. But when we let that organic wisdom of our body lead us, everything starts to change in life. That's fantastic, Richmond. That's a, that's a, a wonderful way to, to finish up. I think it's a, it's a terrific sentiment there. And it's been a fascinating discussion. And um, I think we'll have to have you back in the future. Uh, but uh, really, really enjoyed delving into all all TRE and your philosophy and the way you've, you've come to, to use it and the way that bone therapists perhaps can use it uh, on themselves, but then give them, giving them a deeper understanding of, of what they're seeing sometimes within their clients as they as they assist them so that's been fascinating as i said we'll we'll pop some of these links into the show notes so if people want to connect further with you they can now you're you're available uh on um on facebook uh, are you uh, as well yeah they can go to tre australia or you can yep. go to you know, just find Richmond Heath is probably the easiest. Um, you can sign up for the TRE newsletter through TRE Australia. Terrific. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty pretty easy to That's find. That's great. All right. Well, look, thanks very much for coming on the Bowen Buzz, Richmond. It's been, uh, as I said, a fascinating discussion and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Me too. Thanks very much for having me and good luck to all of you and just keep doing the beautiful and wonderful work that you're doing for everyone in the world. Good on you, mate. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Bowen Buzz podcast brought to you by Geelong Bowen and Remedial Therapies and Bowen Buzz Training. If you'd like to help keep the lights on and assist the ongoing production of the Bowen Buzz podcast, you can hit the donate button and we thank you for any assistance given. 
I'd also like to thank Louis Reed for our original music. I'm your host, Chris Reed, wishing you all the best till next time. Enjoy the buzz. Enjoy the buzz.